You're tuned in to another episode of Recruitment Entrepreneurs by Recruit CRM. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Recruitment Entrepreneurs by Recruit CRM. And uh, today we have with us Diana Halterman. I'm hoping I pronounced that right. Perfectly fine. And Diana, the floor is yours. Can you, can you give us an intro about who you are? where you were born and came from and how what your first job was and how you got into recruitment. Absolutely. So about 14 years ago, I landed a job in an executive search firm in Madrid. I'm originally half German and half Spanish, born and raised in Madrid. And then I attended the German school. I, I went to college there as well. And um, I just didn't wake up and say, I want to become a recruiter. I just landed a job in an executive search firm in Madrid um, and started really the old way like where LinkedIn had just pretty much started um and your first job like was well I had some student jobs no I had previous student jobs of course when I was um studying I had been studying and and financing my studies as well and they had been more in marketing I, I I you know I had a passion for for marketing so I had worked in a consultancy doing some marketing um like internship and four hours in the afternoons and uh, what, what I could do your, between your first adult job, like your first full nine to five. It's my full time, my first adult job was executive search straight into it. Exactly. Right. Your, your <laughs> career recruiter, right? Exactly. So okay. I, I was a junior, junior uh, executive search consultant, got my first uh, role and I wasn't really sure what headhunters uh, did at the beginning. I had to do loads of research because um, it all sounded very glamorous and I thought it was having to do more with artists and headhunting but no you realize it's more helping companies grow and um i i really worked at uh, the top end level like really senior positions and because i i'm trilingual i grew up trilingually the company was more spanish they uh they were very keen on giving me all the international assignments so i got my first role was what uh, an hr manager in germany um and off i go i had to go and find her or find him um so i i, I started the search with everything i could uh, you know pure head hunting calling getting past the gatekeeper getting past secretaries and and uh and uh, you know the, the the people who answered the phone and and I managed to to place role within one uh, one month. So they said, "Wow, she's a she's a superstar. She got it." So I then from then on, recruitment is one of those industries where people go in and they either love it or they hate it. Right? Exactly. There's no middle ground. No, exactly. And for me, it was loving it because because I was getting paid for being on the phone the whole day and um, getting to know people every single day. I talked to, what, six, seven different people. I learned from different industries because I wasn't specialized at the beginning. It was more kind of digital tech roles. Those were the types of companies in the industry, but not the types of roles. Roles could go from a senior vice president, from HR director, from so very varied. And going in, right, just a few questions, because you, you've yes, survived and, and thrived in recruitment the last 14, 15 years. What did you really like about recruitment as a profession, other than talking to people every day? Well, you learn a lot, like literally from my background, from my studies, I didn't come from business studies. So it gave me an overview of how companies worked. It gave me an overview. I recruited loads of uh, professional services, uh, you know, for companies like Pricewaterhouse, Lloyd, Enzo and Young. So I, you know, consultancy side, I worked for banking industry, which I found very interesting um, to, to major one, BVVA, Banco Santander in Spain. So I started to understand, you know, how companies work, how the structure, the engine is. And obviously, um, 
also not having a psychology studies in, in the end, you have to get your own, you know, how do you interview people? Are they going to be lying to me? Are they telling me the truth? So you have to develop your own, um, your own kind of taste as to what the candidates are telling you. It was, you know, it was a people job. You could understand people and you could learn about business. And what was the one or two things that you didn't like about recruitment for, you know, well at the beginning i guess there's tons of tools out there right now but back then it was you had to be very creative very think outside of the box and come outside with very crazy ways to get through the gatekeeper so sometimes it was a little bit of rusing a little bit of you know getting through it in a bit of a sneaky way and it made me feel a bit uncomfortable but at the same time it made me feel good when i managed to get through it and get my objective like the part of the job where you felt like you were being dishonest exactly where i felt like oh i'm telling a little white lie just to get through the phone but everyone does it so that was the only part where i felt maybe a little bit uncomfortable but you know the minute you just and so let's get to your entrepreneurial story like how many did you start your company and why like why would you stop being a professional where you have a book of business that was working? Why did you block that out and start an agency? Because that's hard, right? So many- yeah, wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. So the good thing is I started in like an executive search firm. Then I went in-house. I worked for two companies, which was uh, were e-commerces, uh, one of them being Facebook. So um, amazing company, of course, to work for. And then uh, I went back into agency, which not everyone does, but... Um, I got a little bit bored being in-house, to be very honest. I'm very driven and, you know, a bonus structure, a commission structure was something that I really felt very excited about. And in-house, you just don't get it. It doesn't matter how many roles you place, how many candidates you you source, as opposed to your colleagues, you get the same pay, you get everything the same. So it was something that was frustrating me a little bit. So when I went to the last agency, which was great, I was given loads of opportunities, growing the team. But it's true that it was same old and uh, my back uh, then boss now my business partner and I were always like thinking about and looking into invest in new technologies looking to see what other tools are out there in the market what is there that we can do to be innovative automate stuff what happened was well the two business partners long story short they fell apart and that's when we started creating talented and our sole goal was to use everything I'd learned in companies before like Facebook and Vistaprint and incorporate it and not be a traditional agency where, you know, we pushed our consultants out of there, you know, and, you know, whipping with uh, metrics. And we we didn't want that kind of environment. We wanted a kind of a cooler in-house environment within an agency vibe. So that was the whole concept that we wanted to have beyond talented. Lower pressure agency, because a lot of agencies are like yes. boiler rooms where- very very high pressure you have to do a certain number exactly exactly of course we do have metrics in place and we monitor those but what's really important i mean i don't care where my consultants are doing their job they could be in the beach club they could be in the uh in the sun or they could be doing it from home as long as the results are there and that's very shocking as opposed to other agencies that you have to have your suit you have to be in front of the computer in your office every day with your suit and tie that's not our style at all we want the results no matter how they get those or where they get those that's the way to go right that's how yeah even more so with the pandemic yeah and so would you would you say you're a fully remote business you have no office and you just yes 
now we are a fully remote business through a uh, pandemic pushed us. We had obviously several offices around Europe and we had to, obviously it was a cost. So we had to shut them down and have everyone working from different regions and locations and they're doing extremely well. So why would I go and open another office again, maybe for more junior people or maybe in the future? Was 2020 your best year financially as a business relative to other years? Or was well, it- funny. Funnily enough, even though that pandemic was so harsh and difficult and some people, we saw some people leaving our business, unfortunately, due to personal reasons, um, we made more revenue than the previous year. So funny. funny, I just think sometimes, wow, imagine what could have been if there wouldn't have been the pandemic. But even though, yeah, it was one of the best ones. Right. Because in recruitment, it's not just about revenue. It's revenue per consultant. Right. That really matters because sometimes. Correct. Hire two or three times the employees and revenue increases by 20%, which which might not necessarily be good. So was your headcount the same between 2020 and 2019? It was less, actually. Oh, so your revenue went up. My revenue was higher with less people, which wow. is amazing. That's, that's, that's just brilliant. That's spectacular. Yep. And so now going back into the numbers, right? Because, you know, the podcast is called Recruitment Entrepreneurs. So it's for people who want to become recruitment entrepreneurs in their first couple of years. Of, of yeah. the and so how how did you go about this financially, right? It's, it's pretty hard to like decide to not get a paycheck anymore for a few months and figure out, you know, doing a business. So did you and your partner set up a specific amount of money that you that you set out to start this? Did you have like a plan B? Like, how did you how did you set all of that up? Well, because he had been uh, managing a recruitment agency very successfully in Europe for 20 years. Obviously, he had some basis. Um, What we didn't know is obviously that, uh, you know, the pandemic will come and that some old ways wouldn't work out in the new world. Um, But he um, he was like the sole investor. Let's 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 put it this way. So he had put some money aside, of course, to to get us a bump up and started. But also first month we had already our first placement. So we were like constantly looking how we could. You were billing for the first month. Yeah, we, we built from the first month um, as, as soon as... Because you had some clients from your old business? That you no, had. we weren't allowed to touch any of those clients. So it was pretty much through my network. Um, so, of course, we had uh, you know um, to, to sign some documents and we weren't allowed to touch any of the previous clients. And we didn't want to, obviously, so we wanted to get started from scratch. So um, it was more through the network worth of math and, you know... Um, and the investment going in, right? Was it in the tens of thousands of dollars or pounds, or was it in the hundreds of thousands, or did you guys put in a million? Like what? What? No, roughly? a quarter, a quarter of a million, roughly, right? And, and roughly, we end up eating up that quarter of a million, or yes, <laughs> yes. The reason being, and obviously looking behind, you know, this podcast helps some entrepreneurs not do the same mistakes, I think. Um, we lashed into the technologies, which was our initial plan. So there is a tech HR tech conference in the US in um, Vegas. So my business partner went there and he lashed into all the technologies in retrospective, maybe. We should have looked into some of those great technologies are great for the US, maybe not just ready yet for the European market because we lashed into some AI technologies then. Um, So, you know, that's maybe looking back into it. You're saying the real reason most of the 250 was burnt using buying technology that you didn't necessarily use. It wasn't really... You didn't burn the money in operations, like in well, and the operate the running of the office, the salaries, of course, because that's the thing. You know, we started with um, 
as, as two business partners and four employees. So you have four salaries and I built my first month, but they necessarily didn't do this in the first months. So that starts eating up some of your budget if it, you know, for a few months consistently until they start billing from scratch, that takes a while. So in the planning, I would moving my advice to others would be unless you know this person's going to build from day one, just wait a time to hire someone until you are sure that they're going to be building consistently. you have a business that's working before you hire more people. Exactly. Correct. That's exactly, I, I would advise unless you know that, you know, that the that recruiter is going to be billing from day one, just wait a little bit because that eats a little bit of your budget. Yeah. Got it. And and how long did you take to get to break even then as a business? Oy, two and a half years. So it's almost now we've gotten to a break even, not before. Perfect. So it took over two years to get yes. to the point where every month you're making a profit. Exactly. Yeah. It takes a while to get profitable. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, running costs, social security, taxes, taxes yeah. on the employee. And we were very generous as well on all the benefits. You know, we wanted to create that amazing atmosphere. And, and there's a wide range, right? Like we've, yeah. we've talked to people that just start by themselves and another person yeah. and their partners and they know what they're doing and they're profitable from the second month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's also businesses that never become profitable, right? Yeah. They, they, yeah running for takes a while yeah sometimes they just they have to shut it down because five yeah. years in they're still not making it. no <laughs> no no it, touch it, and wait <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's going and, well and 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 that's awesome and so what was your backup plan like when you were starting this like if this hadn't worked i'm sure there's a backup plan right like if it had to work there was no option <laughs> there was failure wasn't an option so I didn't think about it. I mean, obviously, I have a huge network and um, I have uh, I could have landed a job as a talent acquisition in-house anywhere else, any time during those two and a half years. But I just didn't want, I never let that thought come into my mind because, you know, my business partner, he had put uh, his money into this. So I was not going to, I mean, I'm never going to let him down. So in that respect, you know, I'm very loyal and it was, I'm just going to do it. And I'm just going to did everything it took to to get out of the situation, of course, exactly to make it work. So that situation that never came into my mind. Like, there's oh. no backup plan. This is my business. I'm not a. I'm. I'm not a passenger. I'm a driver. So there's no way I'm just uh, jumping the ship. So. And what is the team like now? Is it still two plus four? Is it two plus two? Like- no. So at the moment, it's three of us, and we are hiring hiring at the moment. So it's it's three of us, and we're hiring two people at the moment. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's the plan. By June, we want to be five, and then by the end of the year, hopefully seven people. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And so, a few more questions now. Yeah, sure. What's the hardest part of about your job? What's the hardest thing about building or, or running a recruitment business? I think that um, as opposed to being in uh, in-house or agency that you manage, it, it's not your money. It's it's not um, every decision that you make. You're a lot more conscious of, you know, if that person is not performing, it's impacting you directly. It's impacting your salary. It's impacting your life. So yeah. it gets much more under your skin. It gets much more personal. So, um, yeah, you have to have tougher conversation. And, you know, it's it's very different than as, as, as opposed to being employed by someone else. You need to have thicker skin, right? You need to be able to take it. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, it's and, a bit different. And what's one of the things that you expected that would happen when you started a business that didn't happen? Well, I, I guess that um, it was a little bit more the 
the perhaps the the worth of math, you know, because of our history, what we've done before. But obviously, it takes a while to build a reputation. You know, if you're a new company, your website needs to be built, your SEO needs to be built into it, your marketing, your name out there. And that takes just a little bit more than what you think. And maybe you think I'm going to lash into it because I had clients from, you know, uh, clients previously. So it's, you know, I'll, I'll get new ones. Yeah, the, the 2018 and 2019 and 220, they were different years, I'd say. So um, it, it takes a little bit because you had a we had a reputation before and you have to build our reputation completely from scratch. Yeah, zero. This is what people don't get, right? People think that a business is like over a period of time, it goes like a flat line upwards. Nah. It, right? No, it, I wish. <laughs> flat, 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 flat. And if it works, then it spikes up. Yeah. So, we, we took roughly the amount of time we thought we would to get to our first, you know, million and a half, two million in software subscriptions um, in recurring revenue in, in SaaS, as you call it. Yeah. But it didn't happen the way we thought it would happen, right? We thought we would consistently add a certain amount of money every mm, like No, 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 no. But we basically added probably 80% of it in like the last 20 or 30% of the time, right? So it, it's... It's very unpredictable. Uh, you know, you can't predict it. Uh, and then, and that, sorry to interrupt. Also, recruitment is a world that, it's that to some certain point, it is in our hands that we do a good job, you know, that we do the match in heaven between the candidate, the client. Um, I always think it's like, you know, a, a program where you, you match them in heaven, like a mythique or, a, a, you know, two lovers. But at the same time, uh, it's not in our hands. You know, if you've done a good job, it should go smoothly. The offer should be accepted. But there's so many things. I've seen so many offers go wrong in those 14 years because of silly things or things, unexpected things. So it's a, uh, there's human. There's a human touch involved in this. And unfortunately, there's not many things sometimes we can't control. So as opposed as you think, wow, this revenue is coming in. I'm going to, you know, get those whatever, 20K. Sadly, minus 20K, that hurts, you know. So that's, that's it. It's very... Um, Recruitment is very unpredictable and, and even more so these days. And, and now you talked about growth plans, right? You're three, you're going to be yep. five and seven by the end of the year. And so one, one of the other things that people really struggle with when they start a new business is how much to charge their clients, right? Yep. So should they start at the top of the market trying to charge 25, 30% in, in fees or should they try to charge 12%? Right, no, I, I think that once you go down, it's very difficult to go up. So I, my advice is never to lower your fee. You got a fee that you've worked up based on the technology, on the people. So if you have that fee, stick to it, no matter what. You may lose some assignment. It's hard. It's difficult. You may do some exceptions. There is this amazing company. They're a unicorn. They're going to be growing. I'm going to get 10 rolls. Okay, you can make an exception. But other than that, stick to your never, never go low your what you've decided because you know there's a reputation you are lowering the bracket in the market some companies have done that and ouch it hurts because you know if they're a lower percentage you're never going to go back up high so i wouldn't say go at the top range but go at something that do your comparison do something that's in your range and stick to it how, how did have you changed your fees over the last two years or have you remained constant? No, and that's been the problem. I, maybe we should have, but I thought, no, like even through the pandemic, obviously you do some exceptions. You may take, there, there's a client who comes to me where we do, he says, ah, would you do this role? And you say, ah, it's underneath of what we typically do, but yeah, let's do it. You do exceptions. There is a client that comes back to you and trusts you. You take it, even if it's, it's lower, you know you're going to invest less time working on the role. But no, no, you shouldn't go low because once you go low, you can't go up again. 
Perfect. And and what do you guys generally charge, right? You can give me a rough range. You don't have to give me an exact number. It depends on the market because obviously Spain is not the same as Germany, but I'd say roughly it's between 20 and 25% of the uh, annual gross salary offered to the candidate. Brilliant. And this is normally a, you only charge once the placement is made, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. There are some companies that obviously that I'm going to say that they're dodgy or that maybe yeah. but because you just have a feeling they might go and have five other companies. We, yeah. we don't do exclusively because we know it's a competitive marketplace. But if you just want to cover yourself up, we ask for a, something up front. And that's when it gets serious. That's when you know you're working exclusively or you're working solidly with this company. That yeah, makes it works. Because right? it's, it, it's yeah. the same amount of work, but the probability of getting paid is like, Two or three times as much. Exactly. Exactly. They've already spent something in front. They want this to happen as much as you do. So <laughs> that's, that, that's amazing. That's uh, and and so you know we we talked about this right before we started the interview. But you know you were talking about the difficulty of building a retained model, right? Yeah. You try to get more retainers because I you know every recruitment agency would love to get paid retained in a retainer. Mm-hmm. And. And how are you approaching? Are you trying to scale up that part of your business where you're trying to get more people to give you retainers? Or is that something that you don't care about at this point? You're just I, mean, I think the thing is with retained business is that you cannot just let go of it. Imagine it's some halfway through the assignment. You don't like the client anymore. There's some ethics. There's something they've yes. done. There's something you can't just drop it because they've paid you. So you got to stick to it. So it also makes you get be stuck, this stuck feeling. Whereas with the others, you can always... Get out of it a lot quicker, I'd say. You can pay the client back, right? If, if, you, if you want to Of course, it. you can pay the client. It's, it's messy. It's, it's a bit messy. You know, messiness involved in it. So, and um, much rather not to for your reputation. So that's why, I mean, retained business would be amazing. But at the same time, there's also higher, ex- not saying that there's lower expectations when it's not retained, sorry. But it, it's kind of different. You know, you, you are, you know, you're positioning yourself at some point and, you got to stick to it, you know, so um, they're going to be also pushier. And uh, I just think, you know, when you're, I love being in competition. I'm just a competitive person. So if I know there's another agency against me, I'm saying, I'm going to kill them. And that keeps me going, knowing that, hey, it was you who got the hire in the end. You know, that's what pushes me as well, knowing there's a little bit of competition there out there. I'm a weird being probably. <laughs> business, right? The, the, one of the biggest milestones is obviously like, getting to a million euros, dollars, pounds in revenue. As a yes. <laughs> What's your goal, right? As a firm, when are you projecting to hit that? Well, to be honest, I give us two years and I think we'll be there. So, so um, 2022 is the year that it's going I happen. think so. This starting started very good, very, very good, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, you know, we also reinvest a lot of what we gain, yeah. our gains. We're constantly looking at, at tools, our technologies out there. So, you know, it, it's in every good company, I think, to also be reinvesting what, what your what your gainings are. So um, it may take a while. We want to hire. I mean, my motto is hire better people than me because, you know, yeah. I, I want to have the best people out there. And so I can, you know, relax. relax. I can relax and, and they can take over. So that's it. I, I always say hire the best people out there. Cause that's, that's what makes, it's going to make you shine. It's going to make you look great. So, um, so yeah, I guess it's not really about the 1 million. It's about being profitable and growing and seeing this branching out and opening new, new offices. I, I haven't put it quite, I haven't put quite a, a figure to it. I just, you know, last year was 
we were thinking we were all going to die. And, yeah, you know, we made it through. <laughs> you don't get up every morning and you're like, hey, I need to make a million, right? You, no, I no, I get up every morning saying, I'm just going to do what I love the most, which yeah. is being on the phone with people, getting to know, learning constantly and making it with an amazing team around me. So now, uh, I'm lucky. Two closing questions. Right? Yeah, go on, please. First one, where are you in, in life right now? Are you, are you single? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have a dog? Like, Sure. So I'm heavily married. I have a three-year-old daughter and there's another one on its way in three months time. So I'm going to have a baby boy. So part of the, I know part of the growth is also, you know, I'm just going to go off for a few months, not much because obviously it's my business, but um, I'm going to have a second child. I have a German shepherd as well. I have a dog. I have the full lot. I'm not born. (laughs) You got the husband or, or, or you got the kids. You I got know, everything. Yeah, I got it all in the business. The dog, the business, everything. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, and if if you had to ask, like if, um, and this is the last question we always ask everyone, right? If you went back and you met 20-year-old Diana, what advice would you give? <laughs> Life or business advice? Either, either. Hmm. To be honest, I would tell her that, uh, you know, the, the, I, I would tell her that, um, Life is uh, difficult, the, the, the going gets tough, you know, so to be prepared for having some, you know, don't take it personal when things don't work out and to get, you know, tough skin sooner and don't that affect things. Yeah, it's not to let you affect things or take it too personal. Uh, I would, yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, just give it your all because there's only one life to live. <laughs> and I was 15 years ago. So Okay. So thanks, Diana, for doing this with us. We really, really appreciate it. And guys, the the last piece of advice from Diana is get thicker skin and keep going at it because life only comes. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's not getting, it's not going to get easier. This is just one life we have to live and you're going to make the most out of it. And this is so much fun. So do, I mean, we still have to work, what, another 25 years. So at least do something that every day you wake up with a smile and that you enjoy doing because otherwise it sucks when you have to go to a job you don't like. So find yourself a job that you love and then you won't call it a job anymore. Brilliant. And thanks for, thanks for doing this, Diana. Not at all. My pleasure. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you. And that's all for today's episode of Recruitment Entrepreneurs. Like and follow us if you liked today's episode and want to hear more stories from the world of recruitment. Mm -hmm.